Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. This is the DL Link show on 101.9 High FM. This is the show where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. So yesterday was International Women's Day, and I certainly hope that you did something to celebrate. I don't know about you. I always like looking for a reason to celebrate. I suppose life is one big celebration, or so it should be. Right. So we're going to be looking at issues that women face when it comes to our show being a show, the DL Link show, where we look at issues of cancer um, and share people's stories and insights and uh, obviously new treatments. And we're going to be focusing on this show on cervical cancer. And Dr. Emma Bryant, who is a gynecologist-oncologist and pelvic surgeon at the Life Grundkloof in Pretoria, is joining us to talk about it. Dr. Bryant, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for your patience. Apologies for the few little technical issues we were experiencing. Well, thank you for having me on the show. So, Dr. Bryant, it's quite interesting with um, cervical cancer. I mean, we we talk about it quite extensively on the show. We talk about a particular virus, um, you know, and and that we 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 expand and looking at young girls and young boys who should be going for certain vaccinations. And as I said, there's a whole story about it. But so we we'd love your perspective on it, um, Dr. Bryant, in terms of cervical cancer, how prevalent is it? And let's look at the links um and and the the importance of, of having this vaccination. Okay, good, Nikki. So I mean I think I think to start off with is that cervical cancers is pretty common in South Africa, we lose about six women a day due to cervical cancer. For those who don't know what that is, the cervix is the the mouth of the womb or the opening to the uterus. If you look at globally, um, there are about 600,000 new cases of cervix cancer a year and about 320,000 deaths. But 90% of these deaths due to cervix cancer are in low to middle income countries. Um, and the reason being because women don't often have access to screening for cervix cancer. So for most of us, you know, from, from when you were young, you sort of heard that you need to visit a gynecologist or a doctor and go for a pap smear. So the point of pap smears and that sort of thing is to screen for precancerous cells and, um, Women need to go for these sort of tests, you know, frequently throughout their lives so that somebody can find the precancerous cells before they develop into cancer and treat it or burn it away so that the woman doesn't later go on to develop cervix cancer. So given that, you know, humans are humans, people don't always have access to screening, there's cultural beliefs, people feel awkward, it's a very personal test. Um, and so we were still missing a lot of cervix cancers. With time, we figured out that cervical cancer, or at least 90 to 97% of all cervix cancers, are in fact caused by a germ called the HPV virus, the human papilloma virus. And with that information, we managed to figure out which of the human papilloma viruses caused the cancer, and we've actually created a vaccine that we can give to patients 
to prevent cervical cancer. So the vaccine has been rolled out in this country since 2016 and in other countries for quite a bit longer. The idea is to vaccinate young women before they become sexually active and and men, you can vaccinate boys as well. But in this country, we're focusing on women because they're the ones who get cervical cancer. And we vaccinate you against HPV 16 and 18 um, and a few of the other kinds of HPV. Those are the different subtypes or cousins or relatives of the HPV family that are linked with this type of cancer. And um that then has a propensity to prevent cervical cancers by 90%. It also, the vaccine can also prevent cancer of the anus, cancer of the vagina and of the vulva, the vulva being the lips of the vagina. So it's a fantastic vaccine. And I just think the biggest issue at the moment is that the uptake's poor. So a lot of um, people, because of this affiliation to um the vaccine and and the, it's a sexually transmitted infection. Some sort of people opt out of the vaccine. Now, I mean, I'm talking so much. I'm not even giving you a chance to, to no, ask. No, any no, 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 no. You're amazing. You're amazing. Yeah. It's just it's it's so it's so important because yeah. this HPV virus, which is it's a common sexually transmitted yes. infection. So that's what I wanted to say to you. Yeah, Next, it doesn't that, mean yes. Yeah, it doesn't mean so. So it You're is promiscuous or no, not at all. Yes. So this is it. HPV. It is said that eighty percent of women, regardless of their sexual lifestyles or preferences, will get an HPV infection. So I, when I explain it to patients, I always use the analogy that don't see it as an STI or, or, or don't see it as, as, a, as an association with promiscuity or infidelity. You've got to see this as the flu of the vagina, as, as a viral yes. infection that is present in humans. It's, and, and that is why we opt in to vaccinate everybody because it is so common. I think the biggest thing with HPV is understanding that we will all probably get an HPV infection, but there are there, there are more than a hundred subtypes of this HPV germ or, or cousins or relatives, and they they they're only a couple that cause cancer. So HPV um, sixteen and eighteen are the most prevalent cancer causing HPV. So. If you had to get HPV6, for example, your body, you wouldn't even know you have the infection and your body will clear it. Your immune system will chase it away. But if it's like a lucky packet, if you get exposed to the cancer forming HPVs, they have this ability to stick around in your immune system, stick around in your body. And with time later, integrate into your tissue and cause cancer. So that's what the vaccine is, is for. It's not against HPV as a whole. It's against the cancer, the, the HPV viruses that have a propensity to cause cancer in the female genital tracts and anus. Right. I love how you're explaining it because it's, it's, it, we almost have to demystify this, this myth around this, this HPV. So if we had to look at it, if we had to break it down, you've said that some people, it, it's, so, it's so prevalent, um, nine, uh, that, that 80% of, of people, I think that's what you said, yes. have had the HPV. And that some people don't even know it. For those who do know it, what, what would it look like? What would it feel like if one has this HPV? I, and I get, I get it that it's so vast. 
So, Nikki, this is the thing with HPV is you would not know. It's a completely asymptomatic okay. infection that's, 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 you know, sort of solves itself or clears or doesn't clear. And, and okay. what happens with HPV is let's say, hypothetically speaking, I become sexually active and I get HPV 18, one of the bad HPVs. I will live my life normally and, and with time that HPV integrates into the cervical tissue. You don't know this is happening. And I explain it as another way I explain it to patients. It's like, if you're always going to lie in the sun without sun cream, eventually you'll get skin cancer. That's what Mm -hmm. this HPV does. It tricks your immune system. It sits there. Your body doesn't, it's got an ability to turn off the body's ability to see that it's actually there. And it just sits there and sits there. And with time, it starts damaging those very sensitive cells at the opening of the womb and upsetting the DNA and integrating into the DNA and using the cell's DNA to make its population get better and bigger. And then it ultimately turns into precancerous cells. Now, your traditional pap smears, as most women know, it, where you go along to the gynae and they would stick that thing in your vagina and take a few samples of your um, cervix, that that was looking for precancerous cells. It was a sort of a test that it didn't look for the HPV. We didn't know that HPV caused the cancer. We just could see, are these cells starting to look abnormal? And if they were starting to look abnormal, the doctor would then offer you treatments um, in the way of either burning off the um, abnormal cells or following it up or whatever. Ultimately, if that is not treated, if you get the HPV, you develop the precancerous cells, this is then not detected. In years to come, you develop um, cervical cancer. So from HPV infection to the time of cancer, it can take 10 to 30 years in Mm. healthy individuals. If you're looking at, and and one wouldn't have symptoms until they had the full-blown cancer, that you don't get symptoms even with precancerous cells. If you're looking at patients with lowered immunities, your HIV positive patients, patients living on heavy steroid therapy. I've got a young girl now who's had a kidney transplant. So she's on anti-rejection medicine, which dampens her immunity. They are the type of patients who are more likely to develop the cervical cancer a little bit sooner. So from HPV infection to cancer anywhere between three and 10 years because their immune system's low. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty insidious until you get the full-blown cancer. And so I think I think the whole point is ideally we want to prevent this. So let's mm-hmm. vaccinate everybody. Let's, let's cause that reduction. But then also just to emphasize the importance of regular screening to see if there are any precancerous cells that one can treat to prevent you from developing cancer later in life. Mm-hmm. With, with uh, regards, yeah. Yes, sorry, Dr. Brian. And I just wanted to ask you, if, for people who are listening right now, that you, I mean, you're saying it could take 10 to 30 years. So someone says, well, I want to test now to see if I do have this HPV sitting in my cells waiting. Is there a way of testing for it? Yes. So this is what I was going the next thing I was about to tell you was with regards to screening now. So in the old days, we used to go for the traditional pap test. So a pap test is just a scraping of the cells of the opening of the womb and some a pathologist would go and look with a microscope to see are, are there any abnormalities in those cells and then sort of grade them. Are they mildly abnormal, very abnormal, or is there cancer? Nowadays, that test was not a very sensitive tool. So in medicine, when we talk about sensitivity, sensitivity, that test had a sensitivity of 70%. So 
three out of 10 times would actually miss abnormal cells because it's very objective. I mean, it depends where you scraped. It depends who's looking at the pap test. Once we figured out that HPV was the cause of cervix cancer, we now don't traditionally offer those um, pap tests anymore. We actually do a thing called HPV screening. So when you go to your gynae or your doctor or your dyskem for a test, you should be asking for the HPV test. It is done the same way as a pap test, and we test for the cancer, the HPV germs that are more likely to cause cervical cancer. If your screen is negative, we, we, it's a DNA test. So it's the same way as a COVID was done, a little PCR DNA test, which makes it very sensitive. So sensitivities of 97 to 99%. If it doesn't detect it, even if you had to go and get HPV the very next day, we know it would take so long for that HPV to integrate into your body to go on and cause cancer. We then say, you only need to do your next screen in five years. So five years if you're a healthy person with no immune problem and screen again in three years if you're living with HIV or have an immune, immune, a low immunity problem. And it's, it's just a way better, a much better tool. If in your scenario, somebody tests, she wants to test if she's got HPV and she tests HPV positive. Then that means that we will then do something a little bit further to go and figure out if this HPV has gone and caused abnormality in the tissue. So at this point, this is where a gynecologist would guide you is they would basically look at which HPV tested positive. Is it one of the very cancer forming HPVs? If it's there, then they would do the same procedure that we did if we got abnormal cells and pap smear, where we basically put a microscope in to the vagina, we look at the cervical cells, um, we, we, we biopsy them and see if there's any abnormal cells and we burn away any abnormal tissue to, to therefore prevent cancer. If for people who haven't had the vaccine, who then go and find that they've actually got abnormal pap cells now, we often offer the vaccine because there's some good evidence out there now to suggest that if you have, you know, in, in our sort of age, I don't know how old you are, Nikki, but, you know, if you're in your 40s and you you weren't offered the vaccine as a young woman and you now get an abnormal pap smear and you get treated, if we vaccinate you now, there's a good chance that you're less likely to develop the problem again if you vaccinate. So that's also one of the treatment strategies to being HPV positive now with some abnormal cells is to burn it away, but also offer the patient the vaccine so that your body can develop a bit of a, a you know, sort of a good immune response to future HPV infections and the sequelae. Hmm. Wow, so well explained. Dr. Graham, before I say goodbye, one last question, because there is an encouragement for young boys to go for this vaccine as well. Why is that? So I think that ultimately, you know, when it comes to vaccinating, we we are sort of a low middle income country. And, and when we set these protocols, we've got to be cost effective and in order for us to see a benefit for this vaccine, we need to vaccinate, vaccinate at least 80% of the female population. It's the females that are more likely to get HPV-associated cancers, but it's the males that are contributing to the spreading of it. Mm-hmm. So in an ideal world, but they're less likely, they don't have a cervix, 
So they're less likely to get cancers associated with HPV. So where, where cost is an issue, and I mean, these vaccines are not, they're not cheap at about 800 rand slash a thousand rand per vaccine. And you need up to two to three vaccines. Um, you know, we, we've opted only to vaccinate the women because that, that's where the, the, the majority of the disease is. But in an ideal world, you'd want to vaccinate the whole population. You'd want to vaccinate more than 80% of the women and the men so that we can basically eradicate cervix cancer so that we can stop the, the spread of HPV. If you're looking at, um, communities of men who have sex with men, then it's a very good idea to vaccinate as well because this is the same sort of phenomenon behind cervical cancers, the same sort of phenomenon behind um, anal cancers um, being caused by the HPV germ and, and vaccination can reduce anal and penile cancers as well. I see. I see. Thank you so much. Um, Dr. Bryant, um, I, I want to thank you so much for coming onto the show today. You've explained it so clearly, and I really think that what we need to stress, um, and I hope that this is what people got it, it got is, um, that this HPV virus is, is, it's prevalent. It's there. You don't feel it. It, it is linked to cervical cancer, as you've said. And it's not linked to being promiscuous or any infidelity or anything like that. Um, and that's really just like a shift in mindset, really. Um, and for those listening to consider if you do have young daughters, young sons, you yourself listening, um, that, that, um, this vaccine is, is, is really very successful in, um, yeah, in helping with uh, cervical cancer. So thank you very much. We really do appreciate your input. You've been great. Thank you. Just before you close, I just wanted to make one last comment, and that is that, you know, ideally we would like to vaccinate people before any sort of sexual exposure, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't qualify for vaccination. So, you know, it's, it's, it's written that women can get vaccination up to the age of 26, regardless of, um, sort of sexual exposure before then. So it's not limited to, to, um, young virgins. One can actually vaccinate later if you've missed your opportunity. Super. Thank you so much. Thanks for clarifying that. Dr. Emma Bryant, thank you for joining us. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Dr. Bryant, gynecologist, oncologist, um, pelvic surgeon at Life Groenkloof in Pretoria and looking at cervical cancer.